Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Elm Park Rules podcast sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. It's the end of January and the final scoreline is West London 11, Reading 0 this month. Uh, as Reading lose 4 0 and they concede 4 once again. And I've been joined by Matt Lansley to discuss yet another defeat for Reading. Yet another one. How, how many more are we going to have? Just uh, dejection, disappointment, anger. All of them I'm sure we're going to discuss. I think someone's going to have to go away and look up the record, Paul, for most defeats in a row, because at some point someone's going to raise it. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably Tommy Burns era was a bit of a contender for that one because when he first came in, when we got relegated, another golden time to be a Redden fan. But yeah, what a glorious morning, Alex. I cannot wait to vent about Reading FC because it's the therapy we all need right now, isn't it? 40 minutes of just kind of mixed emotions yet again, but I'm sure we're going to come into more of that. But there's so much going on, isn't there? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mixed emotions around for a lot of people. Um, We'll come on to the game, obviously. But um, before the the game on, what's it, Thursday evening? Thursday evening, the structured dialogue meeting notes came out from Star. They're available on Star's website if you have not read them yet. Um, They're worth a read. We're not going to go into them too much because I figure that most people by this point have probably seen them or probably read them. Um, but they're worth a read. The club and star have put out, a, I don't know, it's about 11 or 12 pages. So uh, do go and check it out, give it a read and, you know, formulate your thoughts. Um, the The other thing we'll, we'll discuss before the game is that multiple fan sites yesterday announced, including ourselves, announced that there was going to be a protest of some kind at Coventry in two weeks' time. 
the form of this is yet to be announced. Uh, Matt, are you surprised that people are now at this point? Because it seems like for the vast, I guess, vast majority of reaction has been that it's probably time that this occurred. Yeah, um, I don't think much surprise is there. Um, I don't think there could be much surprise really on on any sides of the argument or if, 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 even if you if somehow you're still relatively content because the the results are you know they're just only going one way the club structure is only going in one way and you know we've still got a manager that quite frankly seems deluded in his views of the football and is watching seemingly completely different games to everyone in the fan base you know i'm sure we'll get onto a lot of those points and obviously the reaction in the stands at the game yesterday towards the end you know it's fans have just had enough you, you know we, we we were told january was going to be a shit month by Pauno, but maybe Pauno has to think that you know actually saying that and almost conceding defeat before the month has even started has just you know caused an even worse situation for for players and everyone to, to kind of go into um yeah all those points will like i say discuss later but yeah it, it, it's been brewing for some time and i don't think it's I don't think it's a surprise to anyone, really. No, I think you're right. Um, Paul, anything to add about any potential protest or current situation that we find ourselves in? Yeah, first of all, it's a sad situation to be in, isn't it? None of us want to have a kind of like a club that's in complete, looks like crisis to me. Um, people there will obviously claim that it isn't, everything's fine, but um, there's lots of issues. Um, I've thought that there should be a protest for quite a while. Um, there's been lots of issues going on. I've been talking about discussing in our group chat and with other sites as well. Um, one of the major reasons why it hasn't come forward has because um, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life <laughs> right now. I'm still trying to deal with issues from the, the death of my father. And that's been my priority, obviously, as much as I love Reading Football Club, um, you know, I think we'd all understand that. But I think on the protest side, I think there's going to be some people that want to get involved. There's going to be some people that don't. There's going to be some people that love it. There's going to be some people who think it's embarrassing. But the most important thing I would say about the protest is doing nothing is not really the way forward from my point of view. Whatever way you want to protest, whether it is a tweet, whether it is some kind of message, banner, I think we should all do something at the Coventry game. If you want to leave early, if you want to not go, but if you want to do nothing, that is fine as well. But just appreciate that some people want to do something and they should be allowed to do that if that is OK with everyone else. OK, we don't want to do anything that's going to affect anyone in any violent way or anything like that, because that's the furthest thing we want to be associated with at all. But also we don't want any kind of, oh, you know, we're better fans and you see that throughout Twitter, all about these things about who go to a more away games, very petty and there's no need for it. Really. This isn't about this. This is about people wanting to stand up and having a focal point for the frustration they have with the club as a whole. We can go into more details about how that's going to happen later. And that will come out during the week uh, coming up, but it's time, isn't it? I mean, we are reaching now, I would say, the point where Thames Valley rolls. 
it's as bad as that. I don't remember that. I was alive then, but I don't actually remember that because it was before I started uh, supporting Reading because I would have been seven or eight or something then. But we've got to move forward in some way as a whole group and make our feelings clear to the owner, especially. Because at the moment, just sitting here waiting for nothing to happen, which, you know, kind of hasn't been sacked as we record this. No inside law, he probably will bang in the middle of it. But something needs to be progressed and something needs to come out. And 150th is a massive match. And I know a lot of people will think that, you know, they want it to be a happy event. But do we want another 150 years? I do. I mean, when none of us are going to see that, the 300th anniversary, but we want that to be a possibility. And that really concerns me that might not happen. We don't own anything. We can go into all that. If you want to listen to our previous podcast, WTF, we're going to all lots more detail about that. But yeah, it's sadness, but also it needs to happen, I think, Alex. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with like it's time and it's the club is pretty much like, you know, at crisis point, realistically. Um, circling the drain is not an over exaggeration at this moment. And um, I think if people are going to want to protest, then, you know, good on them that's that's their kind of that's their viewpoint um and if you want to get involved then you know keep an eye on um club 1871's twitter feed our twitter feed or instagram facebook and you know details we shared over the over the next week or so um once they're kind of like firmed up lastly before we do discuss the game uh do if you haven't yet drop us a follow on spotify apple podcasts and uh, a rating as well would be delightful one star five star whatever whatever you think this podcast deserves i would hope it is five star but i will uh, leave it up to you to decide five stars five stars i'm completely biased but give it five stars come yeah, on I mean, like, and if you really want to treat us put us a little um kind of um, review in there nice little comment apple that would be that would be really helpful for us but um very a nice little comment would be great. Um, let's move on to yesterday. We will talk briefly about the team news, Paul. The team was exactly the same. Maybe a little bit surprising, in all honesty, given the performances of certain individuals against Huddersfield. Uh, yeah, that was not the greatest, was it? Um, I'll be totally honest, I haven't watched all of that match, but from what I've heard, I put a tweet out yesterday saying about this is probably our strongest uh, team that's available right now. And immediately, lots of people were saying, Danny Drinkwater. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh, it's a fair point. I mean, I watched the game yesterday and I can see totally why people were saying that now because shocking performance. Um, but Going into it, is there that many changes apart from Danny Drinkwater you can make, Alex? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. I don't think there is. I think we can probably it, it, a lot of a lot of sympathy has been given to Paunovic over the last I don't know six eight weeks around injuries and not having players in the correct positions and not having them available. But ultimately, I think this is probably our strongest eleven just about. You know, granted, Holmes is playing centre-back and I don't think Holmes is our second strongest centre-back. And maybe, you know, maybe Mate would start if, if he was available. Um, but it's it's very close to being a strong 11 mat. And I feel like the atmosphere before the game was 
probably one that Reading, it was it was fairly negative around kind of West London. Let's put it that way towards some of the club. Um, I'd say there was there was a bit of negativity towards the club. But I mean, I, I'd say more the pre-game atmosphere was was pretty good. I mean, like. I, I went to the game yesterday, went went over to Belushi's and Shepherd's Bush and there was quite a few other Reading fans in there. Um the atmosphere seemed actually quite quite good. There were obviously a few chants of of Kier out and that, but I mean apart from that, the mood seemed pretty good. Of course everyone had already had a couple of uh, beers and ciders by that point. Um so it was always gonna be be a bit cheery, but <laughs> um but I wouldn't I'd say yesterday that though it was more kind of hopeful going to the game because i think everyone started to think well we're getting we're finally getting players back we might actually see what reading are capable of because you know we've not really seen that all year you know we had the positives of huddersfield of the attacking side that you know we actually looked quite good when we were going forwards then the defensive disaster class but you thought if we can shore up that defense and keep obviously now we've got Zhao fit, we can work the attack in the way that we did against Huddersfield, this could open up new doors. So I think it was more, there was more hope in the fans pre-game um, and certainly the atmosphere in the pub that I was at certainly um, in Shepherd's Bush was very, very good. Um, even kind of the, the all the Kier out chants and that that that, that surfaced and uh, Kier's a you-know-what. I mean, they were all done in kind of um, good jests and stuff, and uh, didn't really dampen the mood or anything. But um, but no, I think that was as we'll go on to later. That was the most disappointing thing, just about how the hope was starting to be there with the players and squad that we've got back. I'll be honest, I had a little bit of hope yesterday. Whether that was just you know out of pure um, desperation or not, who knows? But uh, the first, let's get on to the, the actual match here. First ten minutes or so. Reading were probably on the front foot for the first 10, 10, actually, let's put it exactly where it was. Reading were on the front foot for the first 12 minutes um, and probably were the better team up to that point. I think QPR had a few crosses in the first two or three minutes, but apart from that, Reading were were the better team, Matt, um, up to then and probably could have had a penalty when Laurent burst into the box. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say the start, was was good. I said it to um, I said it to my brother who was, who was with me for the game. Like that, you know, we've, we've actually started relatively well here. You know, after after ten minutes, um, the Laurent penalty I just did not have a view of because the, the like standing in the lower tier, you never really get that much of a good view on uh, <laughs> what's what's on the far side of the pitch. So I'll let you and Paul talk about the penalty decision. But I mean, it seemed. It, again, it gave you hope at the start of the game because, you know, you're playing QPR fourth in the league, you know, on an incredibly good run of form, you know, four wins and five coming into it. And we we started well. We had corners. We we, we had chances. But it's just that thing. It's it's just Reading FC at the moment, isn't it? That, that, that they don't they don't score in, 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 in the moments when they're in the ascendancy. And then as we'll get onto it, concede and everything just goes downhill from there. But, um, I mean, Paul, I'll let you touch on the penalty. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a penalty. There's absolutely no doubt on that. Um, I don't think it was absolutely certain that it was a penalty. It's one of those ones, I think, that maybe if things are going for you, you'll get. But at the moment, we're not going to get anything like that. 
There was also an opportunity for Puskas in probably very early on in the first couple of minutes. Uh, Danny Drinkwater, yes, he did something good. Uh, a nice pass there to him. Puskas was, he wasn't in or anything, but he had an opportunity to have a shot on an angle. Uh, skied that over the bar. Mm, that's not a certain goal or anything. That's not a terrible miss. But I don't know. I I don't think the penalty was a certain one at all. I'm sure it would be raging. What made me, yeah, what pissed me off more was Lauren afterwards on the first goal. He's still got that penalty innocent in his head and he has an absolute shocker defensively there, Alex, doesn't he? I mean, he just switches off completely. Yeah, I mean, the goal comes a minute after pretty much uh, that, that penalty appeal. And defensively, I mean, it's it's just not great. I mean, Lauren tries to tries to defend the, the cross coming in from the uh, wide hat the right hand side he gets beaten quite easily and I don't know who the player is who puts the cross in but he's got a lot of space by the point he puts the, the cross in from the top of the penalty box to you know pick out Dykes um, because Lawrence has been beaten so easily and it's three yards away from him after that because he's uh, he's run away from him the cross itself is a pretty good one um, Dykes has pretty much just drifted away from Tom Holmes and, and Baba Rahman though and it stood you know completely unmarked between them um, I'm not really sure to be honest that Tom Holmes comes out of that looking particularly good though yeah it was Willett with the cross um, uh, he was really good during the whole game but he's a decent player isn't he there's no doubt on that um, Tom Holmes hasn't been good for a month or so now um, he looks like a player who needs to be taken out of the team for a bit. He's still a young player. He hasn't actually played that many games. And it all seems to be getting a little bit too much for him. He's consistently been quite poor, hasn't he? He's made mistakes for numerous goals now. Um, if ideally we bring in a senior player, rest him, take him out, bring him back in again. Because it, it just when he makes a mistake now, He's doing another one. He's compiling it with more and more mistakes because he comes on to do another one for a later goal. I think maybe the second one. And you can see the frustration. And as I've said repeatedly, there's no doubt that Tom Holmes cares. Uh, I, I won't have that about him at all. But he needs to be taken out for a bit. But the second goal, oh, I, just another shambles, uh, Matt. I mean, you obviously kind of like Gil the reaction because you were actually at the match. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean the second goal was just a carbon copy of the first. Apart from the the um, chap who crossed it, crossed it was different because it was Willock for the first. It was a Doma for the second, um, and Tom Holmes again um, is caught. Um, I just want to make an interesting question to actually you both because you talk about obviously Tom Holmes and him not having played that many games. How many games do you think Tom Holmes has played for Reading so far? Sixty or so. I think it's actually quite a lot. He played every game last season. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But has he played as many games like last season when he's played in teams when he had Bristow at left back, he had Ashcroft and he was the senior player. He's had to carry that as well for that period of time for a good three or four weeks. He also played in the Kidderminster game. He played in the Fulham match. He's had to deal with a lot. So I think mentally, as much as anything, he's suffering. But I see, I see your point. He hasn't played mm. 10 games or so. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, because he's, he, like Alex said, I think it's about 60, 61 total games he's played for Reading. He's not a, he's not a new kid on the block kind of thing. Um, he has had a tough time. But, I mean, again, the second goal, um, it just comes from... Dread, dreadful defending. Um, I mean, I think as much as you can look at Tom Holmes in that goal as well, you've got Josh Laurent as well because Laurent Dykes may, makes makes the pass out to the to the wing to to Adoma and he's about forty yards out at that point. Holmes is on his on his well, on on the far side of the camera, and yet Dykes make makes the run almost. Tom Holmes tries to block him off, and then when he doesn't block him off, he pretty much just stops himself Lawrence just stops himself and Dykes get, gets a free run into the box which causes probably a, a problem for the defense because Holmes sees Lawrence trying to block trying to block Dykes he thinks that probably oh Lawrence will try and stay with him and he doesn't and so then Holmes is stuck in no man's land because he's got a free runner coming in that should have been blocked by someone else or tracked by someone else and obviously Lawrence hasn't communicated that Holmes get on Dykes and it's just comical I think it's too late by that point anyway, really. Once Holmes, uh, once Lauren stops tracking him, even if he is passing him over to Holmes to, to mark, it's too late by that point because Dykes has got a free run into the area and Adoma's already in a very dangerous position. He doesn't, I think like, I, you, can't pass, I, you can't pass a man over when he's already making the run into the area. It's too late by that point. Lauren has to follow him into the area. I don't think um, he can, but you can also see that the communication is just nowhere. It's missing his team because, because Holmes has no idea he's even coming Holmes into the well, I think, yeah, I think he, he might he might have seen him, but he he assumes that someone else is going to track him in. Um, well, well, and, watching yeah, Dykes, watching the... Dykes just drifts between them again. It's yeah. like nobody nobody knows who's meant to be picking up who. And there was a point in the first half it's where um, it became apparent that I, I feel like the team don't really know their own roles. You can see it on the, in the midfield. They don't. They don't know what they're meant to be doing within the team. Um, you can see them looking over at the touchline, like asking what the like. This was just after we conceded the second. Swift looks over at the touchline, asking what's meant to be like going on. He doesn't he? Doesn't seem to know what the the plan is or the structure is. Um, there's very little in the way of like midfield cohesion, despite the fact. And I have to say, yesterday. For the first time I've seen this, we played four central midfielders, yet it felt like we never had anybody central or anybody in midfield. It was very strange to watch. But I, I don't think we can play two up front. I think this is a major, major issue because we don't have a second striker that's offering enough there. This isn't the reason we lost. 
but you need another quality striker or you need a striker that can drift back into midfield more and hold the ball up a little bit more than that. And he's not really offering enough. So, I mean, the second half was dead, but when Ijaria come on, we looked a little bit better in midfield. Um, that's because QPR stopped as well. And that's not say, it's, it's easy to look good when you're four nil yeah, down. Exactly. <laughs> but I do feel that we, and Jao is better when you play him up front on his own. It's just historically, this is the way he works. He's that kind of striker. Um, this will not solve all our problems because if you can't defend, it's irrelevant how many goals you score. As we saw last week, it's now consecutive weekends you conceded four goals. I mean, no. it's not not good. It's absolutely yeah. I think challenging. that makes it makes it twenty twenty one for the month, which um, according to stats on Twitter uh, is probably the most we've ever conceded in a month in league games. Um, I think the record previously was twenty from like nineteen thirty. So. Is that a 92-year-old record broken? It's good to uh, see us breaking like, records, though, isn't still it? Breaking records, still breaking records, even after it. 150 years, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, third goal, the, the third goal for QPR, it feels like these podcasts have really become a recollection of what the goals were because, unfortunately, there's always so many goals um, that we don't have time to talk about much else. Uh yeah, the third goal comes literally two minutes after the second goal, and it pretty much confirms that the game is over at that point, if it wasn't already. Um, we can see the counter-attack, Matt, from a corner at the far end of the ground to, to, to the away fans. Um, we don't, well, we have a corner, um, but then we go on to concede within, what was it, 10, 15 seconds? Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, this was the most infuriating of all the goals, in my opinion, because... I mean, no matter who you are, no matter where you're playing, you should never be conceding a goal 10 seconds after your own corner. Um, and it's infuriating for a couple of reasons. One, because obviously those reasons that I've just mentioned, but also the Reading FC will never and can never do this under Paunovic because we never leave a player up top to even have an outlet when we when we go up the pitch. I can't remember who, who they used as an outlet up top, if it was Willock or someone. But I mean, the ball, the ball comes out. I mean, I know it has to go to Danny Drinkwater here, though, as well. I know we've banged on about him, but he's defending quite frankly, fr- quite frankly, on the edge of the box when we've got, when we had the corner when it when it dropped out is just, is just disgusting. He 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 let he lets um, again I can't remember who it is just 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 control it, drift along essentially the edge of the box. I think he just almost tries to push him with two hands, and that was his attempt to try and win the ball on the edge of the box. It's just utterly disgusting. And then his backtracking, he's just jogging all the way. Like, I mean, at least at least Lauren and Morrison were running pretty much as fast as they could to try and get back. But Drinkwater is just jogging back, you know, and was just, oh, just infuriating is the only way I think you can put it. But I mean, yeah, the ball the ball comes out, it gets laid off to um uh who is it? Amos. Amos, wasn't it? Amos, yeah, Amos on the on the far side. And I mean it's he's just one on one puts it in with his left left foot. It's probably not the best strike he's ever going to have. It comes off the crossbar. You might say it's a bit lucky, but I mean, the defending is just so awful at that point. I mean, Rinomota tried to make a tackle on the halfway line, but again, failed. It's just it's just a calamity of of all errors. And like I say, the fact that Reading will never see this because that's the most frustrating don't... thing for me about this goal is yeah. that we'll never see we'll never see Reading score a goal like this under Panovic. 
um, because we don't have an outlet. We don't, we don't ever, we can't counterattack because we don't have an outlet there. Um, so to concede a goal like this is even more frustrating because you know it's not a goal that Reading will ever see under Panovic um, at all. 100 was pretty bad. <laughs> so, I mean, they're yeah, all bad. <laughs> but the fourth one, I mean, a completely unmarked player. We did make it to um, let's let's just we did make it to half time, only conceding three. So at least we matched last week. Um, we're doing you know, well. We're doing we, well. We're, we're doing well. It's, it's we're positive. Not, we're not, we're not getting positive worse. to be taken. Apart from the goals, we did okay. We did we're okay. Not, we'll come yeah, on to that well, in a bit. We'll come on, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, the fourth one was just absolutely shocking. I mean, all ever since Panovic has been here, we've been hearing about zonal marking and set pieces. Uh, yes, there has been issues, but not every single goal that we've conceded has been from zonal marking. But wow, this was so bad. So bad. I mean, there's no one within a metre of him from a corner. I mean, that, that that's abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And just... It just summed it up. It's comedic football, isn't it? We're playing at the moment. It's half hearts from, I would say, 90% of the team. Players are pulling out of tackles. Players don't want to run. Players don't want to give that extra effort. They claim they are, but really it's a sinking ship. And if players could leave tomorrow, I'm sure most of the team would be more than happy to leave Redden Football Club. And you could easily say, I don't blame them, but they've created this mess. You can blame the manager. You can blame them. And yeah, he needs to go as well. There's no doubt on that. But the performances of the players have been shocking. Look at that team that we put out yesterday. That team is good enough to get results in the championship. It's not good enough to go up. It's not good enough to probably be in the playoffs. It, it's but we are so easily. It's not even a contest. Yeah, it's a competitive team though, isn't it? All, all 11 players are more than capable of, of holding their own in the championship. So you would think. There is no, I, I, I don't think any of those players would, would struggle if you put them into a championship side on a long-term basis in a team which was organised and and competitive. I, don't, I think all of them would be okay um, at the very least. Yeah, well, what we've heard in the first two, in a lot of January was that Panovic hasn't got his first team squad. He, you know, he's struggling with that. I understand that. And that was totally true. The, the fullbacks were a major issue. But now we've got Raman back, we've got Yadam back, and we're Jousted. conceding four goals a game, and easily could have been way more goals than that in both games. So I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see a positive, Matt, but there isn't any at the moment. I mean, there's no excuses for what's happening, is there? No, no, there's not. And like, you know, the, the amount of times we see similar goals conceded. I mean, like, I do think that the, the corner for the fourth was, it, it, it was quite clever at how QPR exploited our zone of marking. When you watch it, Amos pretty much blocks off Morrison um, to make to make the header. But, I mean, it's, it's just, you, you're seeing these same goals week after week after week after week. No change. Paunovic coming out with these ludicrous comments that are seemingly alienating everything. You know, it, it's it's just... Yeah, it is, and it's just week after week at the moment. It's just like, what the, can you say? <laughs> the, the thing that the thing that frustrates me about the zonal marking is that it gets bad. It gets a lot of bad rap, obviously, because we're conceding a lot of goals from it. Um, and listening to you know reaction and commentary, 
a lot of people say, oh, we shouldn't be zonal marking. It just doesn't work. Plenty of teams, most teams, in fact, use zonal marking and it works absolutely fine. It, it works last case, year as well. It worked last year as well. It's not a problem. Zonal marking isn't the problem. It's the execution of the zonal marking is bad. The ex- it's, it's the, the yeah. players who are not performing the zonal marking in the correct manner, which is making it bad. It's not the zonal marking overall. And well, got goal number four yesterday epitomised it because, like I say, QPR have just exploited it so easy because Reading FC are so easy to exploit on it at the moment. Because, like I say, Amos just pretty much just stands in front of Morrison, which blocks him to make the run. Um, I think it was it was done, wasn't it? Um, you got yeah. you, you got the goal. Um, Yeardom's basic, not Yeardom, but uh, I think it was Babar at the back post is just stood there and just almost just doesn't even attack it and you've got a free well, I don't header. think he, he he doesn't seem to know that there's someone coming we, into his zone he has no idea there's someone coming like but, someone free so but he should also know that there's nobody behind him he can see a free runner running he can see morrison who's blocked off by amos in front of him bubba's got to have the fucking intelligence there to bloody run and and at least try and make a challenge it's just ludicrous i like i can't see how a player with two eyes cannot see that Two eyes and a fucking brain, and you cannot see that. It's just getting so frustrating that these players just seemingly cannot see this week after week after week. I mean, what what film are they seeing during the week? What training are they doing that's showing them this? It's utterly, utterly ludicrous. I can't disagree with you, Matt. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If that's going to annoy you, the (laughs) post-match comments from Panavis were absolutely incredible. I mean, uh, yes. As, uh, there's a manager who has lost touch of reality. He's not quite sure what he's saying anymore. And we've seen it lots of times with managers over the years, uh, not just at Reading, at football clubs around the world. Comes out on Radio Berkshire and states that apart from the four goals, we we, we did okay. Um, <laughs> oh no, I can't see how he can say that when it was lucky that it was only 4-0. You know, when it was disgrace oh. a disgraceful comment to be making when we're in the run that we're in if we're playing okay man city you say okay we'll take that we'll take that you know this is what happens man city a fantastic club well out of our league qpr i mean really one of, really one of the biggest frustrations about it was was as well towards the end of the game especially the last 15 minutes in the stands there was a lot of vocal abuse going to both Paunovic, the club, the players. How Paunovic, Paunovic, unless he, unless he's fucking deaf, he would have heard that. There is no way he would not have heard that. You, everyone's seen the videos from, from Benji and that, 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 that he posted, obviously, toward, towards the end of the game when a flare was chucked on the pitch, you know, about getting sacked in the morning, we want Pauno out and everything. You know, how can he not hear that? And then how can he think that coming out with comments like he did in the post-match is going to do anything but make people just think, get the hell out of here. Because it's just bollocks after bollocks, week after week. Every press conference he's bringing out, he's coming out with more more rubbish, more garbage, more stupid cliches, and just avoiding questions. It was There was another question by Tim Deller that, 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 that he pretty much just said, no, I'm not answering that next question, please, about... Like, like whether he thinks. I mean, it... that that question from Tim Deller was essentially, "Do you think that you should be sacked? Do you agree with me?" Um, and it I, was an I, I kind of, under, I, I kind of understand why Panovic isn't going to come out and agree with him there um, because he doesn't want to admit that his job is uh, basically untenable. 
the the other the other points from you know from his uh from his press conference the there was a there was a point in his press conference yesterday when he was talking about the fact that um things around the team and around the club are, are potentially a toxic atmosphere and the at this point the, the the comments of saying we have to handle it and we have to fix it it's too late you're you you are literally going to you are part of the problem at this point unfortunately a lot of it stems back to what, what, what we said at the start of the podcast about his comments back at the start start of january when he said that january is going to be a hard month because you're already setting yourself up you know like 300 of us not even 300 of us went to borough the week after basically almost expecting a loss you know, because because Paunovic has now said that oh, we we've got no hope this month. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we lose by one, lose by seven. Who gives a fuck? You know, who cares at that point? You know, so how how Paunovic can then come out obviously with those comments and then expect things to be positive, hunky dory with the players, with the fans? You know, you you've now lost five on the spin, and they have not been good losses either. I would say also fair play to uh, Tim Delahaye when actually you. A moment when uh, Alex mentioned about, do you think you know I should lose my job to Panovic? Tim did actually say, "Yeah, um, I think it is time for someone else." So you know we can all sit here and say this, but to actually say that, and that's difficult because he deals with him on a daily basis, not a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and you do form a kind of relationship, I would suspect, d- during that period. But you know. You have to be realistic. And I think Panovic probably knows that as well. But he's always going to fight his corner. He's a manager. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that? But yeah, he 100% needs to go. But his comments are just getting more and more crazy. And I think for his own sake, he needs to go. Um, I don't want to see a person getting abused every single game. There's there's no enjoyment in that. I, I don't want to be involved in that. But I don't think it's going to happen. And one of the major issues why it's not going to happen is his friend Kia. It, he's too powerful at the club. And as Stephen Hunt tweeted during the game, when we were 4-0 down, saying, isn't it ironic that the club has just recover, recovered from using his services, is beating the team using his? Talking about Keir Jarcham. I mean... That was one of the best There's a little bit of a link here, isn't there? Ages. A bit of a pattern, I would say, forming. Oh, so frustrating. So I think frustrating. it was one of the, it was one of the best tweets in ages, though that from Stephen Hunt. I mean, like, but 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 it's it's also sad because you're seeing this week on week on week, ex players, you know, from 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 back previous promotion teams and that. It's not even you know your Gareth McCleary's and that that coming out. You know, we have seen reports and stuff that come from like some McCleary, McNulty, and all that. But players that actually have stature at this club in the history are coming out and saying what every single fan is thinking as well and every single fan can see and yet the people that actually have the power in the club seemingly are blind to all of this you know everyone can see what's happening with Everton at the moment and their dismay of you know um uh Kia potentially being involved there you know how can someone like see that and think oh no no it's fine that he's here and making deals making contracts and all that how I I I can't I can't I cannot see how someone can in, or how the, the powers that be at Reading can see all of this, all the noise around the club, all the ex-players, managers, owners that are, you know, saying, you, you know, we want to help. We, If you need our help, just let us know. And they're just getting internet silence. I can't see how they think that this is 
this is going to resolve itself the way it's going because it's just it's a sinking rudderless ship right now and it's just it's just breaks my heart to watch this week in week out i think it's probably at the point here where we can uh, wrap it up because we are going to end up repeating ourselves from the last six podcasts where we've lost every other game as well um and as much as i'm sure people want to to hear that it's very difficult to keep talking when you keep losing because we can't add much in all honesty um that's where we're at i i feel like it's it's becoming like these podcasts are very much deja vu at the minute unfortunately um as difficult as that is to say um because at the minute the team are kind of out of excuses there there's no excuses left we can't you can't you can't come out anymore with a loss and say this you know the referee went against us the injury doesn't matter anymore like the performances people, aren't there people are done people people are done and the, the like people are done like the you know the the just everybody is is fed up and it doesn't matter anymore what your reasoning is for losing you have to find a result you have to win that's that's all that really matters anymore um and at the minute who knows where that's going to come from the worst thing is people's passion for something they love is slowly dying because nothing is happening and if that's going to continue we're going to end up just sinking miserably absolutely miserably and it can happen really really quickly so just think about these things because as much as we kind of sit here and think oh we're all okay it's in the championship just look at all the clubs and how they've fallen down the leagues and just had major issues because if you look too deep into Reading football club there's a lot to be worried about a hell of a lot right now with that i think we can probably put a wrap on it next game that reading i have got thankfully isn't for nine days um which is brilliant news for us all we are away against bristol city uh next wednesday week wednesday week on wednesday um Hopefully there'll be a decent crowd down there and it normally is for Bristol City. We won't go in for a score prediction just yet because I feel like it's inevitable that everybody's going to predict a loss. So what's the what's the point in asking you guys? Um, but yeah, look out for the podcast after the Bristol City game coming up and keep an eye out on our social feeds for details of any potential protest that is going to be happening against or, against, or during or before or after, who knows yet the commentary match. Cheers for listening and speak to you all soon.